Today on the podcast, we're having a conversation about investment. And by investment, I don't mean property or shares, but investment in your organization's best asset. It's people. My guest is Colonel Tracy Michael, and he told me recently that before you can invest in others, you need to take time to better understand yourself. I give him a call to unpack what this has looked like in his life and discover how the lessons can apply to ours. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Phone Calls with Clever People. My name's Shane Hatton. I'm a speaker, author, and mentor from Melbourne, Australia, and I'm passionate about all things leadership and communication. I realized recently that I know some really clever people in my network, and I thought it would be a fun idea to be able to take some of their cleverness and share it with the rest of the world. Now, through the wonders of technology, I'm broadcasting my phone calls with clever people just for you. And really, the premise is quite simple. I just want to be able to ask great questions of talented people to help us all become more effective leaders. I'm on the phone with Colonel Tracy Michael, who I met back in December 2019 at a conference in Canberra. At the time, he was serving in the United States as the Director of Corporate Affairs and Principal Advisor to the Surgeon General and Commanding General. Little did we know that over the next few months, we were about to experience a global pandemic. Tracy has since taken on a commander and CEO role in the US Army's health system, and his reach and influence just continues to grow. Yet as a leader, he remains one of the most down-to-earth and humble guys that I've come across. And so I'm excited to share some of his story with you today. Tracy, welcome to the podcast. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, it's great to be here. It's great to be I've here. I've been looking forward to this conversation. So we caught up about a week ago. I hit end on the Zoom call and I, I hit myself in the head and I thought, why on earth didn't I record that conversation? And almost immediately I messaged you and said, you've got to come back and we've got to pick up this conversation and talk about it on the podcast. And so I'm, I've been really looking forward to today. Um, but one of the things that we might kick off with is some fast facts. And so it's obviously just a chance to, for people to get to know you a bit. Um, so three questions. Where were you born? Um, uh, what was your first job and then what are you doing with yourself now? Okay, uh, so where was I born? Uh, well, my name is Tracy Michael. I was born in uh, Brooklyn, New York, Brooklyn, New York City. So my first uh, job job was probably picking up cans. You know, we used to get the deposit uh, on the return uh, for the cans and, and bottles in the neighborhood. Uh, but my first actual job was a summer job working at uh, my junior high school as a janitor. Uh, they had this... Um, program in the U.S. Uh, that, you know, was really more about the service than the pay. Um, I think my minimum <laughs> wage was like three bucks or something like that. Wow. Uh, but it was about city service, about getting the experience. And so I worked uh, at my junior high school for six weeks in the summer and I shadowed uh, the janitor there. So I, I learned to sweep floors, you know, mop and wax floors, clean bathrooms, uh, very humbling uh, but I wouldn't change it in the world. From there, tell us a little bit about your journey and, and in terms of um, getting involved in the military in the U.S. Uh, what, what did that kind of journey yeah. look like and where has it led you now? Sure. Uh, well, I mentioned I'm from uh, New York City, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I, I grew up in a, in a, in a uh, very abusive home. Uh, my mom literally had to escape uh, from New York City with me and my brothers and sisters. There's six of us, three boys and three girls. And um, I remember being checked out of school uh, my mom came to get me and my brother. We we're a year apart uh, from school. 
and um, it was May. It was in May, and so the school year was almost over. And all I knew is that we were getting ready to take a trip to go down south, South Carolina, that is, uh, to see my grandparents, which wasn't unusual. We would occasionally, certain years, we would go down and spend time there. Uh, But I didn't, I literally did not find out until we left New York City and we stopped at the uh, train station in New Jersey um, that we were moving for good, Uh, that my mom had been planning this trip for, for months and months and packing up footlockers and suitcases uh, for us to escape. And uh, I'm thoroughly convinced that had my father known that this was going on, that he would not uh, have allowed her to leave the Mm -hmm. city uh, uh, without harm. So that's my experience, my exodus out of New York. I go down to South Carolina, totally different environment. It's one thing to visit, but it's different to move from New York City and go to the South, uh, where the uh, structures and the culture uh, is very different in how you interact with people. It was in that environment um, that um, I think I first um, began to experience the, the friction of, of, of growing up in an environment uh, like I grew up in in New York City, and then the frustration of not being able to express myself or control anything in my environment. And so I grew up um, in high school, went through high school very angry. Um, and I think that's why I probably gravitated towards football because it allowed me to, um, I guess, express that anger. Take some of that anger out in the field. In in a constructive way. Uh, Some might say destructive way if you (laughs) were on the other end. Um, But I think uh, that experience taught me to to sort of uh, focus and and, and channel things in in a more constructive way. But more importantly, it taught me the importance of teamwork, uh, and, and, and connections, the importance of building relationships with people that you have to rely on to succeed. Uh, so you're not going in alone. It's not all about you. It's not you against the world. You're working as a part of a cohesive team. And so I think that seeded the ground for me eventually uh, joining uh, the U.S. Army, United States military, uh, and serving uh, in the capacity that I am now. Over the last 12 months, you've been um, in a couple of roles that are really high-pressure environments. And, and, and do you want to talk to, us, talk to us a little bit about the last 12 months of, of your, your service? Yeah, yeah, it's been fascinating. So I will tell you, um, uh, if, we, if we go back to December of 2019, that's where I met you Yeah. Uh, in, uh, in Canberra. And we were at a conference together and I uh, was just uh, thoroughly impressed uh, not only with your book, uh, lead the room, but also uh, with your with your presentation and and just the way that you interacted uh, with the uh, with the audience there. Just in my role as a as a as a current uh, active duty officer in the U.S. military, I don't get to interact as often in settings like that as I would uh, as I would like to. So it was a phenomenal experience for me. But in that role, I was working um, I was working as the um, director for public affairs for the uh, U.S. Army Surgeon General. Um, very uh, complex role, lots of issues, lots of media engagement, lots of queries. Uh, Little did we of, know uh, in talking. December when we were having a conversation in Canberra at a conference yeah. what the next few months were going to hold for you. Had no clue. So <laughs> you go from December to February and it is literally warp speed. I mean, it is, it is 17, 18 hour days at some point, a very minimal staff. And one of the things that I found out, Shane, when you're in a when you're in a public health crisis, a global pandemic, um, one of the most important things you can do is communicate. Mm. We've got phenomenal scientists and medical professionals that know how to deliver care, 
But what creates the bigger problems is people not knowing what's going on, not being able to get accurate and timely information, and then making decisions uh, based on uh, either incorrect or incomplete information that can actually be making the uh, situation worse or exacerbating the problem. And now fast forward in my current role, I just took over as the uh, what would be equivalent of a CEO for a health system. We deliver safe, quality, patient-centered uh, care. Uh, part of that care is ambulatory surgery, so we do a lot of same-day surgeries. And then a lot of primary care, occupational health, specialty care, uh, spread out over four states, uh, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, uh, and, uh, and then the District of Columbia. One of the things I find so fascinating about your story is that we started this conversation with you essentially being pulled out of school and and kind of escaping in, in one sense from Brooklyn. And now you find yourself in this um, very high senior position of leadership, having a, a huge um, breadth of reach and influence in what you're doing. And your story has changed along the way. What is some of the key things that have happened along that way that have helped you to kind of stay on the path? Yeah, so that's a great question, Shane. So I will tell you for me, I think I've had to unpack. I've had to do a lot of unpacking. Mm. Um, so in that transition from New York to South Carolina and everything that was included in that, all of the experiences, um, the violence that I saw, the abuse that um, I witnessed, um, all of those things. And oh, by the way, um, I didn't ask to be born into that family, right? I didn't ask mm. to be um, born into that, that dynamic, uh, but there I was with this set of experiences uh, that would to some extent shape my life um, and, and, and my perspective on things. Um, so uh, I, if I could use a military analogy, uh, one of the first things that happens when you come into the military and you go to your basic combat training is they give you tons of gear or kit. I mean, they give you all your boots, you get your, your clothes, you get, uh, you know, your backpack, what we call a rucksack, uh, you get uh, your hats, you get all your uniforms and socks and underwear, and they give you a whole bunch of tools, uh, stuff, equipment uh, that you need as a soldier. And so they pack all this stuff into you, they give it to you in a couple of bags, and then they just sort of rush you out to place to go on to your next uh, uh, assignment, uh, your next duty or task. Um, but what no one does in that process is explain to you what each piece of equipment means, what it's for, and how you use it. Mm. Oftentimes, you may be in the military for several years before you finally realize this odd-looking piece of equipment that you were given, what you actually use it for. Mm. And so I use that as an analogy. My life started out with a bunch of experiences, a bunch of stuff uh, that was sort of just packed into me, right? Um, I didn't ask for it. Um, I didn't necessarily know what to do with it all, but I found myself carrying all of this stuff around. And along this journey, I'll use the military analogy, as you learn what each piece of equipment is and what its uh, utility is, then you become very wise at packing for where you're going. Mm. If I'm going to a cold weather climate, I know that these things are going to help me in that environment. If I'm going someplace warm, I don't take the cold weather parka with me, right? Um, or the cold weather boots. I pack for where I'm going. So that requires me to be very intentional about what I decide to put in my rucksack. And so that became, to me, a metaphor for my life. 
had all of these things sort of packed into me. But I have to prepare for where I'm going. Mm. And I realized that some of the things, some of the experiences that I had uh, were not useful for where I wanted to go. Um, and part of that was I didn't want to repeat some of the things that I saw growing up. Um, I wanted uh, a better future. Um, I wanted a, a more healthy uh, relationship or relationships. Um, and I wanted to be able to, um, to, 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 to really feed into and lift people up and help um, people achieve their goals. I didn't want to tear people down. Mm. I didn't want to destroy people. Um, and so I had to be very intentional um, in my life about what I was going to unpack. And one of the heaviest things um, that I had to unpack uh, was forgiveness. Wow. Um, I had held a lot of unforgiveness um, in my heart um, for uh, my dad and a lot of the things that I saw uh, being perpetrated. And, um, and so at some point I had, that became too heavy, uh, for me to carry around. Um, it was weighing me down. And so I had to make the decision to take that out of my rucksack because it wasn't useful for where I was trying to go. And in the process of doing that, not only was I free, but I was also able to reconcile with my father because it was no longer about him. Mm. The longer I allowed that to stay in my rucksack, then he was the cause of the problem, which meant he was responsible for the solution. Once I took ownership of that and decided to do something about it, um, the ball was no longer in his court. It became up to me how I was going to respond, not what happened to me. Mm. So it's kind of shaped my life and, and gotten me to where I am now. And I feel like one of the ones who've been blessed and fortunate to make it to this point with my faculties intact, uh, so to speak, and I feel a compelling need uh, to go back and help others uh, realize that um, there is a way forward for you. Mm. Uh, you can, uh, to use a metaphor, soldier through this, but you have to be willing to unpack some things that are just not going to be useful uh, for where life is taking you. Wow. I mean, if we were to, to finish the podcast there, that, that one principle alone would add so much rich value for people. Um, the, what you touched on there is that um, to ask yourself the question, is what I have and what I'm carrying necessary or needed for where I'm going? And a lot of the times we carry around things that we don't need for the direction that we're going or the place that we need to be in. And so we started this conversation, I guess, talking about the idea of um, leadership investment, about how we invest in others and connect with others. But you're saying we can't really get to that point where we invest in others until we learn to deal with some of our own stuff. Yes, uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. I think it's very perceptive of you to, to, to pull that thread because there is some unpacking that has to happen first, right? Mm. Um, and, and, and part of my job, part of my responsibility, I think my call is when I engage, when I connect, Part of what I am trying to um, get a sense of is what needs to be unpacked here, and is that something that I can assist with, mm -hmm. right? Um, because there's some things that I can't, right? Until you know me as an individual, until I'm ready to confront, uh, I often say you will never conquer what you won't confront. Mm -hmm. I had I had to confront the fact that I couldn't look around and blame anybody else 20 years later, right? I wasn't responsible for those things that happened, uh, but I was responsible for what I did next. Wow. Uh, and so in doing that, I had to confront those things. And so part of that, I think, engagement, that connection is when, we, when you have 
uh, those opportunities is figuring out um, by listening, I think we find what we can do to help. Mm. And then you sort of, you'll begin to see certain things and you're like, oh, I think I can help with that. Yeah. I mean, and thank you for, for sharing some of this, some of your story, because it's a, it's a really personal story. And I know, um, as people hear and they hear other people's stories, they, they see themselves in, in other people's stories and they say, look, if this can turn around for you, then it can turn around for me. And if there's potential in you, then there can be potential in me. And one of the things that I love about you is that you take your story and you, you deal with and own the things in your story that you can change and you, you pack for where you're going, but then now you've made it a part of really your life mission to, to invest in others and to connect with others. And you touched a little bit on the idea of what you're listening for when you're investing in other people. Like how has this shaped the way that you lead now in terms of the way you invest in others? I think it has profoundly shaped the way um, um, I lead um, because first of all, I think it's, it's, it's all about, um, it's all about people. Um, and what can you do to help people be successful. Um, because I believe that an organization, a team, uh, will never be more successful than when you are helping the people on that team to be successful. Mm. And why does that matter? Because people matter. Mm. And if we believe that people matter, then I think we'll take the time to engage in a way that's more than just at the surface. Mm. Uh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be more than about the work. Yeah. Right. Um, I encourage people around me to get excited about something other than work, right? Because it's got to be more than about the work. So I think because people matter, and if we believe people matter, then I think it's worth the investment. Um, it's worth, you know, it's it's just a sad story, a bad outcome if the abuse that I experienced early on in my life uh, just goes sort of undocumented uh, and, and, and we don't share it. Uh, but I think it becomes life-changing and transformative uh, when I take that, um, what some may have seen as a disadvantage, when I turn a disadvantage into an advantage. Mm-hmm. And I think I turn it into an advantage when I share it with others and let them know if 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 if, if it can happen for me, then it can happen for you as well. Mm. When it comes to you, you touched on creating teams and investing in people and doing the journey with people and pulling out their potential. What are some of the big things that we need to be aware of in that space? Well, I think, first of all, it's we have to be aware of the fact that we are influencing something. Um, anytime we engage, anytime we are present, we are having an influence. Mm. And so if you allow me to use uh, an analogy, um, I just had this conversation with all of my direct reports. Uh, today. And it was about leader development, which I'm getting ready to put out. I put out initial guidance on my philosophy and the mission and the vision and what my priorities were. The next um, um, document that I'm going to put out is on leader development Mm. and um, what my approach is, sort of a framework for leader development, because I want them to implement a plan at their level. I'm not going to have a plan at my level. I'm just going to give them some guiding principles on some things um, Uh, I would like to see in their programs, and then they can shape those programs however they want. But one of the things I told them is, in that discussion was, we are not thermometers. Mm. We are thermostats. You go into a room, a thermometer just reads the temperature, Mm. right? That is not what we're about. Yeah. We are are thermostats. We regulate the temperature. If it's too hot in the room, we got to dial it back, Mm. right? If it's too cold, you know, people are too lax uh, or, 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 you know, are not 
adhering to standards, you know, we're loose with our lips and we're not treating people with dignity and respect, then we got to dial it up, mm. right? Um, but what we're looking for is a comfortable temperature that creates the right climate for people to grow and succeed. So I see myself as a regulator, mm. right? Um, that when I go into an environment, do I just let the environment happen or do I influence the environment? And I think it's impossible for you to influence the environment to regulate the climate if you don't engage. Mm. Engaging creates the, the space for you to do that. Yeah, I love the. Um, I just love the whole metaphor of being a leadership is regulation, right? It's that idea yeah. of my ability to be able to see an environment and shape an environment rather than be a yeah. product of the environment. Um, and you've touched yeah. on that really nicely in, in, in that. And I think we, we're talking about this idea, you mentioned a little bit earlier on when we were having a conversation about leadership investment has to be consistent. Do you want to kind of unpack a little bit about your your thinking on that? Yeah, I think the consistency is um, it's really uh, an investment um, in in your time, uh, in the talents and skills that you bring to it um, with no expectation of anything personal in return. Mm. Right. It is totally about the person uh, that you are trying to uh, teach, coach, mentor. And and it's really on their terms, right? Um, it can be as little or as much engagement as they need uh, to help foster uh, that kind of growth and progress that they're looking for. Um, that can be very rewarding, but it can also be exhausting, mm. right? So um, I think you have to, because there's only so many hours in a day, right? Um, um, and so we have to think about how we want to spend that time um, because you can spend it however you want, but you only get to spend it once, mm. right? Um, so what are the things that we want to spend our time on? But I, I do think the consistency, um, um, finding ways to stay connected, it's phone calls, it's text, it's social media, it's touch points, um, it's, you know, sometimes it's face-to-face -face interaction if it allows that. But um, understand that when you um, endeavor to engage as a leader, um, it's, it's making yourself accessible. Mm. Uh, for folks to be able to uh, contact you. Right before I left uh, the office today, I had a member of one of my uh, behavioral health um, psychologists uh, wanted to talk to me on my open door policy. Um, literally, I just met her yesterday. Mm. Um, and to, um, but I was very passionate about um, leadership and taking care of people and what I felt that meant. And the very, very important role that our behavioral health providers play um, in health and the welfare of our force uh, and their families. And so she felt comfortable enough today to exercise my open door policy and wanted to share some things with me uh, that she thought would be helpful uh, to help us uh, keep the patient at the center of the patient care experience, some things that we could leverage to do that fascinating conversation. Um, and I, I wonder if I would have had the opportunity to have that conversation with her, you know, if it wasn't for the interaction that we had yesterday. Mm. So I think yeah. the consistency of people knowing, um, that, um, you don't just talk the talk, um, but your audio has to match your video. Yeah. I like that. Even you, you talk about, you just can't, you can't connect and then disconnect. 
Um, I love that yeah. that thought of like part of the investment journey with people is that you don't get to decide, well, I'm going to invest in you now because I see potential, but then I'm going to check out and stay distant because you've done something yeah. that kind of frustrates me. Like this investment journey yeah. is, is consistency, right? Yes. Yes, it is. And I, I think, um, you know, there's a degree of um, capital that you build, if you will, through relationships, right? Um, I think, you know, uh, being uh, honorable, being trustworthy, uh, being a, 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 having a strong work ethic and all of those things um, build you capital and a reputation and all of those things. Um, but I would go so far as to say those things um, can only take you so far, right? Um, because you get to a point, everybody's got that, right? They're all good. Right. I mean, they're all top performers and they're all mm. loyal and trustworthy and, and team players. And so uh, what starts to make the distinction there? And I think it's the relationship. Um, it's the it's I think that is the thing that sort of swings the pendulum, um, tips the scales is, you know, if you've established those relationships, because now it's not just, you know, um, you know, Shane. Right. Um, it's I know you. Right. And uh, I know your character, uh, in addition to all the other attributes, uh, wonderful attributes that you bring, I know who you are as a person. And so I think that relationship, investing in relationships um, is extremely important. And I think it's something that um, we should all spend more time doing. Yeah. And you, you talked about it and used the word proximity, um, which is that relational currency that we get when it's easy to make judgments. It's easy to make, um, you know, bold statements about something from a distance, but it's completely different when you're up close and personal with people. And you, you mentioned it a little bit earlier on is, is that ability to be able to listen to what a person's saying, but then dig behind that and actually go what do they really mean in that and it, you can't listen for that kind of meaning unless you're in that kind of proximity right yes yes proximity does matter right you know it's you know um people are real bold and brave if they're shouting at you across from across the parking lot right mm. uh but the conversation is a lot different when you're face to face right uh when you have that proximity um people tend to be because now you're just not this figure uh oblique figure um you know, a hundred yards away, you know, I, I can see you and, and we can engage. So I do think um, being present as a leader, it's not just showing up. It's not just making an appearance, but being present as a leader is being engaged. It's being close enough, as you said, to listen um, and really listen, not just hear, but listen. Um, because as leaders, I think um, we're best able to determine what the organization needs and where we can help the organization and the people in it grow when we position ourselves in a place that we can listen. Mm. And listening is the key. And we, we've talked about this in our last time we caught up about the, the importance of listening. Um, and you said to me, like, part of my, the primary um, part of my role is just to listen and to learn and to grow and to, you know, to put myself in environments. And, and we talk about investment and talk about investing in other people. But part of what it looks like to invest in others is actually just to sit and listen and to learn, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. We're constantly looking for ways to fix things or to solve problems. Uh, when oftentimes uh, rich relationships, I, I think, are founded on 
uh, folks who have a mutual respect for each other, but who listen to each other. Mm. And um, uh, one of the proudest, I, I guess one of the things that I'm most proud of at this point, both in my personal life and in my professional life, is um, people tell me that I'm a great listener. Mm. I think it's one of the greatest compliments, one of the things that's most special to me, because I can remember a time that that wasn't always the case. Mm. Um, uh, you know, I was trying to get a word in or trying to get to the solution uh, so we can move on to the next thing and didn't realize that simply listening um, allows um, people, one, to establish that trust with you, to know that you care. And then oftentimes they already know what they need to do, right? Mm. Um, but in list, having someone listen and you be the sounding board, it then gives them the courage to go forth and do what needs to be done. And that's part of the conversation that there, there seems to be um, what I've described as a, as a global conversation happening right now, especially yeah. in the areas around racism is a big conversation that's happening right now. And part of this, this global conversation we're having is, is asking yourself the question, what does it look like to listen to what's being yeah. said and it'll make sure that in the conversation, every voice has the opportunity to be heard. Yes. And uh, I'm interested to hear, cause obviously you're, you're, you're in the U S um, if this is something that's very personal for you, um, what, are, what are some of your read on the global conversation that's taking place right now from, from your perspective? I think we've got to really be focused on this idea of connecting people. I think is huge. Mm. Think of building bridges. Um, I, I think we have to bring people together and realize uh, that when we do that, that there's going to be some uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Um, going to be things that are going to be difficult to hear. And we have to listen. We have to resist the urge to respond, right? But we have to listen to reflect, not listen to respond. Mm. Okay? Reflect upon what's being said, right? Um, because it's going to be raw. It's going to be uh, uncut and unfiltered. It's not going to sound right, but you've got to allow that to play out, right, so that we can um, really work towards uh, a more just and a more inclusive uh, and a more connected society, right? You've got to allow that to play out. Um, but if we demonize people or alienate people um, because they don't use all the right words um, or they said black instead of African-American or whatever, okay, then we miss the opportunity. Um, and it further divides us and it doesn't bring us together. Um, so, so I do think uh, that we have to look towards fostering in, uh, opportunities, uh, creating a space where we can have these conversations, realizing that they're going to be uncomfortable conversations. But I think this is a necessary part of the healing process. If we're going to grow from this, and this is not just going to be a moment, but an actual movement towards something different, we have to allow these conversations to play out. Um, we have to allow me to uh, maybe say some things in a feeble and, and uh, not politically correct way. Um, but my intention, my heart is in the right place. I just don't have the words to express something that we've been grappling with for, for hundreds of years, mm -hmm. right? And, and you got to be okay with that, right? Um, when If you decide to engage and connect on that level, to some extent, um, you're going to have to be patient and allow that dialogue to go forth until we can refine it and, 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 and maybe communicate in a way um, that, that, that I think is more productive. 
one of the things I found, um, Shane, in my travels, um, whether it's war zones, whether it's humanitarian missions, uh, whether it's my time in Australia, which I love, absolutely love, can't wait to come back for another visit. Um, one of the things I found um, consistently in my experiences is people want to be heard. That's a common denominator among people from all walks of life, rich, poor, young, old, um, doesn't matter what color you are. People want to know that they are heard, even if you don't agree with them. Just the fact that they know that when they open their mouth and they lift up their voice, somebody is going to hear them. Somebody is going to acknowledge it, even if they don't agree with them. I think that creates the seed for a more just society. That is so beautifully said and brings this conversation into a really a nice kind of um, landing place. And, and just I've been reflecting as you're sharing and listening to what you're saying at this kind of journey that you've taken people on through this podcast, which is this idea that just because your story didn't start out potentially like, you know, the story you wanted doesn't mean you can't finish good. and doesn't mean you can't, you know, step into the potential. But in order to do that, you've got to take a step back and go before I can you know, be in a position where I'm investing in others and leading others well, I've actually got to start to unpack some of those things that I've been carrying that aren't going to help me to have these conversations mm-hmm. with other people. And now when I'm in that place, how do I now find people to invest in through relationship and proximity and consistency um, to, and start to listen for the things that um, that actually highlight elements of their story that I could help with, right? And so where are the areas of their life that I can see potentially parts of my own story, parts of my own learning in, and how do I um, be intentional yeah. through that relationship to, to, to build in that? But then I like where, you, where you've landed this is that sometimes in the process of investing in others and in unpacking our stories, we come into contact or we come into, we bump into stories and parts of our stories that make us feel uncomfortable. And it might make mm-hmm. it, it might be in your story that I get uncomfortable or it might be in my story that you get uncomfortable or it just might be in our own story that we personally feel uncomfortable with. But part of yeah. being able to move beyond this is being able to sit with those and actually recognize that those are parts of our story and then allow each person to feel heard and to go that this is yeah. okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love the title of your book, Lead the Room, right? Uh, but in, in leading the room, you got to own the room, mm. right? You, you've got to take ownership of it. And um, you, you can never lead the room until you lead yourself, yeah. right? Um, there is a, a bit of agency uh, that's, that's, that's being employed here. And I think um, when we do that, then we begin to see uh, it's not what happened to me, uh, but how am I res- responding to it? I love that. And a really nice, nice way to finish the podcast. And so big thank you to you um, for, for joining me and, and diving into so many kind of different topics and, and really valuable resources. I've really appreciated it. Oh, man. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, I just want to uh, send a shout out to all your listeners. You know what a privilege it is to spend this time with you. Uh, I wish you all well. Um, I would say um, uh, stay hungry, uh, stay connected, um, stay engaged and lead well. That's it for another week of phone calls with clever people. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released. And of course, I'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews. Have a fantastic week.